Okay, Offsiders, welcome to episode 12 of Offside Talk. I am your host, Nims, after having some concrete from last week, and I'm here with my co-host, Fats. How are you, Fats? I'm good, man. You found that special at Bunnings? Yeah, I found the special, man. Sand and cement mix, and um, I made a new driveway out of it. <laughs> what, down your throat? <laughs> uh, FIFA 20 came out today, man. Yeah, FIFA 20 came out. I haven't had a chance to look at it, Fats. I think you have. Yeah, I was playing it just before I got here. Um, managed a few games as well. Um, seems seems the same as the last one, to be honest, but little minor differences to the game to the to the way the gameplay is a lot more slower looks more realistic in a way um but it's still early days wait for all those shitty little cars to come out (laughs) just some experience that i've had in the past fats um for example i think it was fifa 16 i got so used to playing fifa 17 that when i went to my friend's house to play fifa 16 which is the only one he had the gameplay was so much faster um, but at the same time, it was so unrealistic. So maybe it's a it's a case of that this time oh, again. It's always going to be the same case because as soon as the games come out, you go back one year, you can go back to FIFA 14, FIFA 10, whatever you wanted to go back to. At that time, it felt realistic. At that time, I was like, whoa, what's happening here? But it, this one definitely does seem slower. Um, you can see that a lot of the players that do have the access like we do because of the pre-order or if they're part of EA Access, they're starting to utilize the market already. So if you have FIFA 20 on pre-order or EA Access, jump straight onto it or download the companion app because yeah. you're going to be left behind if you don't. Um, just some nerdy stuff that I've been doing. I've been watching some videos on tips on how to start your FIFA 20. Yes, it's nerdy. but um, So they were discussing how some players will be expensive at the moment. And those prices might drop when more players jump on. And with some cards, it's going to go completely the other way. So as more people join, these cheaper cards are going to get more expensive. Oh, so 100% because there was a time when I was on the companion app and I was searching for Felix from Atletico Madrid and he didn't exist on the transfer market. So whether anyone's actually got him in a pack, it, it will take time. It will definitely take time. I, I believe I was watching one of the, uh, the live streamers, uh, Castro, on YouTube at the time, there was only three, uh, three Zidane's on there and they wanted six million to buy it now. Mm-hmm. So I reckon once all these players jump in, the p- people are buying packs, doing what they have to do, the market will get more inflated. So at the moment, I think Rodrigo from Valencia is going for nearly 20K or 16K. So I reckon within two, three weeks, that will drop down to easy eight, nine K. Yeah. Um, of course, Premier League players being the really expensive ones, everyone wants to... Like most people want to build a Premier League team. Um, they're expensive. So personally, I'm going to stay away from them, Fats. I'm going to go and buy some players from another league just to start me up. And as I earn money, I'll build that dream EPL team, I think. I live life dangerously, my friend. I've already started my Premier League team. Um, and go, hopefully we can end up with the, the best players in the team. But with the way EA runs it, I highly <laughs> fucking doubt that. How... <laughs> How long will you have the best player for until the next best card comes out? I, guess. I reckon if you have Van Dyke right now, probably be. I reckon you give it two, three months, it'll be done. Yeah, two, three months. Um, what are we in? We're in September, so because Zuma will get some crazy card and it will be better than Van Dyke's normal <laughs> card. And come, you got um, December, January coming up. You know what that is? Team of the Year cards. Yep. I would expect that at least. Uh, a 97, 98 Van Dyke. You're looking at 99s, Messi's and Ronaldo's. 
Um, next base cards next seem base like cards, they're nothing. That's right. They're all just going to well, die the down. The one that now. I look forward to most every year is the um, future stars. So <laughs> Future stars, future stars, children's, their grandpas, their granddads. <laughs> it'll all come out. That's it. Let's talk more realistic football. Fats, um, you want to start off with La Liga? Yeah, La Liga, man. Um, big shock. Granada beating Barcelona. Um, now, we did speak about Barcelona being messy-less. Messi did come on at halftime. They still lost. Didn't even manager a, a goal in this game so i don't know if that's going to be a, a fitness issue for messi but i believe you've touched on this off air as well you reckon that it might be a fitness issue yeah i think so look we talk about messi being an alien and not aging but i think these injuries are starting to get to him um i'm not saying he should retire don't get me wrong but it's it's gonna take him longer to recover from these little nibbles and niggles um an injury is going to take a lot longer to find fitness. He's been off the field for a long time, Fats, um, in terms of football. And he's almost walked into a new team now um, with the transfers who've been, you know, haven't been there from the start of the year. Messi hasn't played with him f- since the start of the season, so he's going to need some adaptation. Um, personally, I don't I don't want to put too much weight on Messi. Um, I know he's got the superstar name, but... You've got a team, Barcelona, who is full of superstars and they haven't been performing right from the start of the season. Yeah, but with a team like Barcelona, you would expect whether it's Messi or messi these guys need to plan for the future. You have said that he's getting older. Um, there are youth players coming up through that team. Um, surely that they would put a team away like Granada. Yeah, you would, you would think so. And Granada's top of the table, Fats. Um, I think it's due to just... Being consistent, uh, the three big teams haven't been very consistent for the start of the year. I mean, Atletico's dropped points this week, and they did last week or the week before, um, before the Champions League. Real Madrid's been dropping points, and I've been talking about them from the start of the season not looking as great as they have been. So good stuff to uh, Granada for finding the top of the La Liga. I don't know how long it'll last for. I don't think anyone's expecting a Leicester-like experience for La Liga. But yeah, Atletico did drop points against Celta Vigo. A nil-all draw. I think this would um, this would play very heavily um, in the favour of some of the La Liga teams because Atletico, Barcelona and Real, the big three, they went through Champions League games. Atletico Madrid's massive game was against Juventus. So you you really can't have players going in and out, in and out, playing the same type of football three times a week pretty much. So, look, at the end of the day, I, these teams should be ready, in my opinion, for big games um, and also have the depth to, to put away teams like Celta Vigo or, in Barcelona's case, Granada. It's, it's very early in the season, Fats. Um, like, a lot of these... A lot of these teams have only, um, they haven't even played a cup game yet, you know. You've got the first game of the Champions League. Yes, I understand a lot of them travel distances. But a team that we'll touch on later, Liverpool also played a Champions League game. They went to... uh, Stamford Bridge. um, yeah, and um, no, they, they they played in Italy I mean, yeah, for the they, Champions they, they League, they and then they came Napoli. back, and then right. and and then they won their Premier League game. So I think if you're one of these teams that have that big caliber name like Barcelona, Real Madrid, I don't think it's an excuse for you to say that we've just played a Champions League game and we're not expected to win. Yeah, that's true. Um, look, Real Madrid did end up winning three nil. Uh, not three nil. They ended up getting the three points. Sorry, against Sevilla away, and that's a big victory for them considering. Yeah. They got a beating at PSG um, earlier in the Champions League. Um, so, look, I agree with you. There is no excuses. It, I don't think 
that these teams will be struggling for too long once they find their rhythm, once they find the flow within the teams. Um, it's just a shock for me that a, a team like Barcelona loses to Granada, yeah. which, which which shouldn't be happening in there with the team that they have. I'm going to throw a question at you, Fats. Now, I know we keep talking about it's too early. They're going to find their footing. I mean, a lot of these were match day five, match day six now, you know. You'd expect these teams to find rhythm, but I'm seeing a lot of these big teams, even in the EPL, who've who've dropped a lot of points. Man City hasn't had the greatest start. You're talking last year's champions. Um, Man Man United. If you don't consider their win this week. Sorry. If you don't consider <laughs> that, that's their true win. Besides this week, but um, you're playing against Watford, who have issues on and off the field, off the field as we know it. But um. A lot of these teams haven't started so great, and that's across all the fields. We've been talking about Bundesliga with Bayern Munich and, and Dortmund dropping points unexpectedly. What, what, what do you see? What, what is the cause of this? I don't think teams have replaced or got exactly what they needed out of the transfer market at the moment. Like a, a big example is Arsenal. Now, we saw them as big spenders, and along with Aston Villa as well. But I had high hopes for Pepe. Now, Pepe has only scored one goal for Arsenal so far, and it is match day, match day six. So for a player of that calibre to score one goal from a penalty spot, I don't know if that's more of a adjustment to the Premier League or adjustment to a new league, regardless of the player that, that we're speaking of. It's just I, I feel like the the heavy inflation of these prices are sort of putting a player on a, on, on, on a pedestal that, they shouldn't be existing on. I want to name someone Harry Maguire. I'd, Harry I'd, Maguire was exactly the player I was leading on to. You have an £80 million defender that I reckon Manchester United pretty much pretty much did an eBay. Buy it now. They didn't look at any of the reviews. They, didn't, they just looked at a guy, okay, England international, did good for Leicester. He did good for Leicester, but he's in Manchester United material. And and we while we're watching the, um, the game on the weekend, we talked about uh, the player from... From Leicester? Uh, from Leicester. And we said, you know, for Leicester, he's really, really good. Who was it again, sorry? Sorry, Andrew? No, no, no. The the attacking midfielder? Uh, Madison. Madison. We talked about Madison being a great player for, for Leicester, but you and I both agreed that he wouldn't be a Man City player or, you know, even though he's been linked with Man United, I think. Um, there's those teams like Harry Maguire who's going to play great for Leicester, but you put him into Chelsea, you put him into you know Liverpool. Is he going to perform there? Is he a big team player? See the see the difference with this is, and it, I'll, I think they're two good teams to compare, which is Leicester and Manchester United. Manchester United have have built an empire. Okay, it's not it's not a football club. It's a business empire slash football club. Now Leicester City, it looks like more of a um, what's a, a family-driven football club? Considering their owner, and I know the owner did pass away, but it, it it just seems like there's more there's more tightness in that club. Everyone's more involved. They run it like like it is a family football club, like a club, like a park footy club. Exactly. They everyone everyone works in. It. You can see it with the fans. You can see it with everything. So if you look at Manchester United, and this is and again a lot of the, I'm not signalling out Manchester United here. It's a lot of the massive teams across Europe. The, the, the replacement of fans with with part-time fans, with tourism. Now, we look at sometimes, and again, I'm going to use Manchester United as an example, or even the Etihad. People complain about Manchester City's stadium being empty, for example. Now, how am I connecting to all this? It's, it's, it's on the basis of these are two different clubs, 
Okay. We got one team that, like we said, is run like a family football club. Then you got another team that if a player transfers to, there is so much more involved. You're going to countries in preseason where you are constantly on the go. You got media marketing to do. You got preseason that doesn't stop. You got you got games in China, games in America. You're constantly moving. The the attention's constantly on you. The camera's constantly on you. You one bad performance, you're in the media straight off the bat. Now, another example is say if Madison doesn't perform well, is he in the media as quick as Harry Maguire not being? Oh, sorry, not performing that well. No, and not taking anything from Madison, but you're going to say, oh, he's just a Leicester player. That's right. So there's a different pedigree here, which is if a player is not performing right or up to standards at, say, Leicester City, and again, no disrespect to Leicester City, it's, it's very different to, say, another player not performing at City, at United, at Liverpool, Chelsea, Arsenal. Look at Tottenham. And and correct me if I'm wrong, Fats, a lot of it has to do with the big price tag on the head. It, it is. It's, it's the price tag. The price tag is what's pushing them into a different barrier because you're no longer a £20 million player if you are one. You're, you've just jumped into the category of the world's most expensive defender or midfielder or attacker. Now, if someone... I'll give you an example. If someone wants to buy Messi... Okay, you branch out 200 million pounds, 300 million pounds, whatever. Are you expecting him to settle in? Yeah, 100%. But it's never going to happen because with Messi, you're going to go, I'm paying this much money, I'm expecting two, three goals at least. Oh, straight off the bat. Yeah, yes, that's right. yeah. That, well, when you ask the question, I mean, no, there should be no adaptation time. That, you're you're right. buying the best player in the world. Because that's the price tag that it comes that's with. That's right. Now, and Harry Maguire had that at Leicester. At Leicester, it was like, okay, he's got Premier League experience, but does he have big club experience? Yeah. That's a big difference. And can I draw this attention away? We've been talking about La Liga. Antoine Griezmann, you know, he's he's moved from Atletico Madrid to, to Barcelona. Um, one of the most expensive transfers over the over the transfer window. And I don't think he's, 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 he's showing what he's worth at the moment. He had that one game where he did show it. He, he did fill in the shoes for Suarez and for uh, Messi. I agree. He's got, a, he's got a hefty price tag on him, 120 million, I think it was, euros. And he's, his analysis won't kick in yet because, yeah, in La Liga, they're not performing well. It will be around more mid, mid-season when Barcelona see if they can get through their Champions League group as easy as expected. When they get through to the quarter point, well, I'm expecting them to get through at least to the last 16 of the Champions League. When they get into that position, that's when these players step up. That's when a Griezmann needs to step up. That's when, that's when Ronaldo kicks in. That's why they call him Mr. Champions League. Why? Because he steps up when you need him to step mm-hmm. up. Now, he he doesn't need to... He's come to an age where he doesn't need to go, okay, Juventus pretty much have the, the Italian League wrapped up as as, were, as per every other every other year that's been. I think they've, they've been champions seven years in a row. So for him, it's like, okay, I can slowly find my form, but I need to step up in the big games. Now, whether a, a player that, like you said, Madison... He transfers to City. He needs to compete with De Bruyne. He needs to compete with Bernardo Silva. That's when he starts. That's when his name's going to start being the media. That's when it's that's when it's going to start to be okay. Is this player worth this type of team? Mm-hmm. 
And then that's when you start to get hammered in the media. Yeah. And Harry Maguire is going through exactly the same thing. Van Dyke went through it. Van Dyke's price tag, everyone made a big deal. I, 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 uh, I remember memes coming from Manchester United supporters or even just f- football supporters going how Liverpool just spent £70 million on a Southampton player. Yeah. And look at that now. Now, I think Manchester United tried to replicate that. And at the moment, it looks like they're, they're failing miserably. Yeah, I agree. And it's not just the whole team performance that's making Harry Maguire look bad. It's individual mistakes that he's making. Um, he's not stepping up, in my opinion, as a, as a centre-back. I mean, we've been talking about it's too early, it's too early. I think it's not too early anymore, Fats. I think he needed to start showing something. With, so, with some teams, I can understand. Okay, Solskjaer has, has come out and said that he has come to Manchester United and he will succeed. It's not. It's not. He's going to. He will succeed. He will bring success back to Manchester United. And one thing he clearly stated was some of the players in this team won't see that success. So whether he's experimenting, whether he's going, okay, you know what? Let's put Harry Maguire there. But then Eric Barley steps steps up, or Lindelof steps up. He's going to go. Okay, you know what? I have to put the best team out. And he's he's been doing that. Lingard. Now I think Lingard's going to be a very big. Um, an example with the upcoming game that they have because United is versus Arsenal. Now, that's two teams that desperately need three points and connect perfectly to what we are just saying at the moment. They're not performing great, but a loss here can show you where you really are at the moment because you have two teams that are in a massive transition. Solskjaer going more youth, Arsenal doing something that's out of the ordinary, which is spend money. They did spend money and... They're sort of, yeah, they got a win over the weekend, but they're not there yet. No. They're not. They're not to the team that they expect to be. Mm. So, and a, and a lot of Arsenal um, fans are criticizing the style of play that they that they're currently going through. So, I, I I still think that that some teams do need time. Like I know this might sound a bit biased as a Chelsea supporter, but Frank Lampard has all the time in the world this season because. He was he was given a pretty much a ship bucket, and he deal with it, and he's dealing with it. And when we when we touch base on the Premier League, I'll I'll go more into depth about it because he has something that Guardiola doesn't, that Klopp doesn't, that I, I reckon in my opinion a, a manager like Pochettino doesn't either. So there's it is early for some teams, but not early for some of the others. Yeah, want to wrap up the La Liga fats. Wrap up everything to be honest at the moment. <laughs> um, Osasuna drew with Real Betis in a scoreless game there, 0 0. Uh, Villarreal beating, uh, winning 2 0 at home. Levante and Eibar drawing Neil all. There's a lot of Neil Alls this week in the La Liga Fats. Atletico Madrid and Celta Vigo, as we said. Granada beating Barcelona 2 0. Getafe winning comfortably at home 4 2. Real Sociedad taking another win 3-1 against Espanyol. Valencia and Leganes, I think that's how you pronounce it, is a one-all draw. Uh, Atletico Bilbao winning at home and Real Madrid winning away from home against Sevilla. And that wraps up the La Liga. Um, let's move on to to the Turkish Super League. Um, Nims, there's a, there's a few games that um didn't expect to go the way we expected it to go. I mean, look... Beşiktaş and Istanbul Başakşehir, Yadiyeni, Malatya Sport and Galatasaray, Trabzonspor even losing. Um, what was your really big standout for the Super League? Um, 
Fener, let's talk about Fener. You know, I've talked about them being favourites this year, and this is a fully unbiased view from a Galatasaray supporter here. It wasn't an easy win for them. They went down 1-0, but they fought back at home. I mean, they're really hard to beat at Kadikoy, obviously. Um, they, uh, they're they not first on the table. They're still trailing. Yeni Malatya Sport and Galatasaray. Now, I'm starting to have big question marks in my head for Galatasaray. Um you know, champions last year, there weren't too many teams that can put them away. But I don't see an attacking team this year from Garcia. In fact, I don't see a defending team either, Fats. Did the Champions League play a big factor today oh, um, for that game, sorry? Yeah, look, that's de- definitely going to play a big part. But, you know, Ohms won't agree. Uh, I think the, the the lack of Belhande is hurting Garcia here. Look, w- if he was on, I don't know if we would have won. But without Belhanda, as a as an honest opinion, I feel like we don't have a midfield. Uh, yes, um, we got a goal early on, but towards the end of the game, we started to lose it. And I, I could see that, that we were losing it. And to cop a goal in, I think, the 80th, 88th minute or 89th minute, it just put us away. Um, and Zonzi has been a player who's been standing out for me. Besides that, no one really is ready to step up. Yeah, look, um, I agree with you from that angle. Do you think it's Galatasaray not having the team to wrap up games? Yes. I mean, you talk about Chelsea having that second half either sort of thing. I think Galatasaray's got it here. I mean, we've seen twice this season where they cop a goal in the second half. It doesn't help that Fatih Terim is sidelined. Um, the impact he has when he's actually coaching is unbelievable. But... Um, I feel like there's a there's a lack of gelling. There's too many low knee players. Maybe um, I don't know. Someone in that midfield needs to step up because the strike is not being supplied balls, and I'm actually worried. Um, another team that I've been worried, and I've I've, I've I've said it out loud a few times, is Besiktas. Now Istanbul Başakşehir has lost a lot of their main players this season, and for Besiktas to draw that game, it just it just highlights what issues they have. Um, and Trabzon Sport haven't had the greatest start either. And this is what I was talking about with with big teams not having the expected starts this season, Fats. Um, in the Turkish League, definitely. Besides Fenerbahce, no one's really had the greatest start. Gazişehir is doing good for a team that's been newly promoted. But um, top of the table, we still have Alanya Sport and Fenerbahce up yeah, the top. Yeah, in second place, Fenerbahce equals second with Gazişehir. Yeah, Gazişehir has had an amazing start to the season. One that was unexpected. I mean, Deniz Dispor started really well, but I think they've dropped off a few points. Not too bad on the table there. Uh, big shout out to Husi, who's a huge fan. Uh, yeah, so I think for a lot of these teams in the Turkish League, there needs to be something done about this. Well, I think the worrying signs are there for Besiktas and Istanbul Başakşehir because they're lying in 11th and 12th spot at the moment, not somewhere where you want to be considering you're trying to build towards the Champions League and Europa League spots. So a lot of work needs to be done with some of these Turkish teams. Yeah, especially with Besiktas. I mean, Abdullah Avcı, I think... The pressure is going to start coming onto him. There was big expectations from for him, especially after coming from Başakşehir, taking a team two years in a row to the top four, coming out of nowhere. Um, I don't think he's filled the shoes of Şenol Güneş very well, Fats. We're going to have to wait and find out how that goes.
Moving on to the big week of Premier League that just passed us, um, there were some <laughs> there were some high scoring games definitely. Um, but let's get started off with the with, with what was a very big game in my opinion, Leicester City versus Tottenham. Yeah, um, um, Leicester City winning that. I reckon they should have won that by a bit more in my opinion. Yeah, they played really well. Uh, you tipped this one right, I think, Fats. And I think Ohms did as well for this one. Yeah, uh, look, when I f- first saw it, I was like, yeah, Leicester's playing well, but, you know, Tottenham, you can't write them off. But, man, Leicester blew them out of the park. Oh, look, I want to say blow them out of the park. It just seemed that they were just more gelled. Way more comfortable on yeah, the field. Yeah, like, I know it, it was a bit embarrassing for Tottenham, to be honest. They, um, they ended up scoring a goal, which was overruled by VAR. And then moments later, Leicester ended up equalising. Yeah. So, look, I think Leicester is a much more finished product than what Tottenham is this season. Now, if you said that to me last season, I definitely disagree with you. Um, it, it seemed like Tottenham was was set for the big time this year, which was more, okay, we made it to the Champions League final. We made it to what was the Champions League more repetitively now. Um, let's let's improve on that, and it just seems like they're just falling down the ladder slowly. As a Tottenham supporter, are you worried? As a Tottenham supporter, well, I'm not saying you are, but if you were a Tottenham supporter, are you worried? Um, I don't. With a manager like Pochettino and the team that they have, I don't think that they should be worried. Um, you would expect that the, the the players that they have in their team that they they stick out and then they go, okay, you know what? Let's get our shit together and let's move forward from here. I think Tottenham's uh, supporters should be worried come summer. Yeah. Come summer because if this season does not go well for them, whether you have Pochettino, Ericsson, Son, whether you have Kane, all these players have, have a high chance of leaving, especially when there's big fish in the water that are hunting. you got Manchester United looking for a playmaker, which we've touched perfect for Ericsson mm-hmm. you've got Real Madrid constantly looking for a number nine uh, whether that's Kane or not we're gonna have to wait and see how that goes did Ericsson look happy to you when he stepped onto the field Ericsson hasn't looked happy to me since since the big news came out about him wanting to leave yeah so I don't think he's happy I know Pochettino I reckon knows that but obviously can't do anything about it yeah so as a player in his situation Fats you want to make you want to be transferred I mean, there was big, big rumor news over the over the transfer window. What do you do? Do you do you play well for the current team so that you can attract more attention, or you you not playing well because you're unhappy and because you're sort of protesting? Depends on the player, because some players have done that where they wanted to move and their performance heavily, heavily dipped. So I I I don't think Ericsson is that type of player to go. Okay, you know what, I'm. I'm unhappy here and I want to move. Therefore, I'm going to not play. I'm going to sit on the bench. I'm going to drag myself, sock myself. I don't think he's an Alexis Sanchez where towards the end of his tenure at Arsenal, he forced that move to Manchester United. Um, I think Ericsson has that more of that, that professionalism to him because you can see when he jumps onto the field, the Tottenham game suddenly changes yeah. in, a, in a positive way. Yeah. So I think for him, it's more... Let me do it the best that I can with the game time that I receive, and let's try to attract the biggest the biggest fish possible that's out there for us. Yeah, a little bit like uh, Bale. Uh, 
who you know is unhappy but is still performing um if you guys saw our video on our facebook page uh about bale being given the team flag it's a definite indication that he is not happy i don't i I cannot disagree with with you on that one because that that's there's there's miserable there's unhappy and then there's I think there's bail because <laughs> um, because he's he, to not want to hold a, a team flag on a team photo is a different type of hatred. Yeah, and you can see in, um, you can even see it in Hazard's face that that, that, there's, that there's something there like he, like that like he knows yeah you know he like like sort of like bell speaks to him or something like well, that he, if 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 looks could kill fats when he was handed that banner it was like no don't don't give it to me look if he's if the rumors are true and that, that there was a way for him to leave and Real Madrid didn't take it. Oh, you would be one of the most upset players in the world, to be honest. And it and it definitely looks like that. Oh, definitely. And and in upset enough to score two goals, then get red carded. You know. Oh, I don't <laughs> think the red card was intentional. But look, at the end of the day, he's he's still trying to fulfill his duty. He's not showing um, unprofessionalism. Um, he's going on the field and he's still doing his job. Um, yeah, he does have a few issues when it comes to being on the bench. Obviously, Zidane is now heavily relying on him, trying to spin it in his favor like he needs him. Um, I'm still on the I'm still on the uh, fence with Zidane, but I'm leaning towards he's going to get caught out. He's going to get heavily caught out. It's just, I reckon it's just a, mo- uh, a brief moment of time before we start to see Zidane for what he really is. So... From my understanding, Zidane's been brought on to save this Real Madrid team, right, Fats? So what is then the difference between him and Lampard? Lampard didn't win three Champions Leagues in a row. That's a big difference. Lampard went to Derby and his and his job was to bring them to the Premier League. He just failed that with the team that he had. Now, the difference between Lampard and Zidane is we can easily look at the way Chelsea are playing at the moment and the way Zidane's Real Madrid is playing at the moment. Okay, a lot of positives came out from Chelsea's team, who spent zero. Real Madrid spent nearly two hundred million pounds. I think even more than that. And and it would have been more if Neymar came across. They look. A lot of the fans wanted Mbappe, Neymar. You probably had maybe he had an idea of maybe another number nine, maybe a defender here and there. Um, I think the big difference between Zidane and Lampard is. Zidane came with the expectation of, I won three Champions Leagues. But whether people credit him for that, and like we've touched base before, I credit Ronaldo for that. I credit Ronaldo to running that team. Because the moment he left, you can see that it's like Real Madrid are playing with eight players. It dead set feels like that. And they brought in Zidane to go, okay, you know what? You won us three Champions Leagues. Fix it. He did try to fix it. He brought in Hazard. He brought in his his striker, which he's not happy with. Now that's a big that's a big problem for him to begin with. You, you're resulting back to Benzema here, and you have a what was it 50, 60 million euro player just sitting on the bench. So I think that's the big difference between him and Lampard. It's just Lampard has has the ability to have time to to u- utilize the youth, but Real Madrid don't have that ability. You can't bring up 18, 19 year olds, um, especially a. Uh, uh, a group of them, six, seven of them, and chuck them into a Real Madrid team. So I think he's going to get caught out here. Um, whether Ericsson ends up being similar to Bale, I doubt it. 
because Bochettino, in my opinion, is a lot better manager than Zidane. Seems to keep a much more cooler um, atmosphere to the team. Um, and it just seems that that Tottenham team, the element of last year is still there, which is the, the positive um, atmosphere that they have. It just seems that the, the football's not gelling like, like it did. Yeah. Um, look, I, I reckon that they... I reckon Tottenham will still move up unless something really massive happens to them. Um, I don't. I don't expect them to to cop eight goals like Watford did against Man City. But look, uh, they will recover from that. But yeah, Man City, Watford, eight nil. Gosh, look. When I watched this game, all I could think was, how on earth does De Bruyne land the ball every single time exactly where he wants it? Best player in the Premier League. Definitely. Hands Without down. an argument. With, it's, it's, with no argument. Look, I understand Van Dijk is a great defender, one of the best defenders in the Premier League at the moment. But De Bruyne has been doing this for years. Okay, Now, as a Chelsea supporter, I hate that he left. I hate that Mourinho couldn't see what De Bruyne had. Um, but it took De Bruyne to, to to leave Chelsea to go to Germany and to come back to Man City to go, you know what, I have potential to destroy this Premier League and he's doing exactly that. Oh, every time he crossed the ball, it was it was a goal waiting to happen. It it just seems it's like chess. He's just two he's just two um two or three steps ahead of you. Yeah. He as soon as he's got the ball, he knows where certain players are gonna be and knows exactly when to pass it. And he, he's been doing that in and out for Manchester City. As so, even when he was starting on the bench, you can you can see that as soon as he comes on, the the team has a different wavelength to their attack. Um, look, eight nil, uh, it it shouldn't be happening. I don't think a scoreline of that pedigree should be happening in the Premier League in this day and age. And not 5-0 in 18 minutes, Fats. Especially 5-0 in 18 minutes. Look, if if you look at that game and look at the stats for that game, Man City could have scored 15. Yeah. And and it's not like, oh, potential 15. These were, they were hitting the post. The keeper had to... To come up with wonders that look, Foster was in goals, and it's not easy to score eight goals against Foster that easily. So, look, I think Man City, <laughs> I think Man City just took their frustration of Norwich out on Watford, <laughs> and I feel bad for Watford. I mean, they had a, they came out blaring against Arsenal in the, um, in the game week before, um, and in the second half they managed to outshoot Arsenal. <laughs> I don't think anyone expected Watford to beat Man City, but I don't think anyone expected Man City to beat Watford like that. Yeah, talking about expectations, Fats, did you did you have an expectation that West Ham would beat Man U? I did. I actually said that the game would be a draw, but I wouldn't be surprised if um, West Ham won that game. Um, and look, they did. And I think a whole new... Uh, I'm trying to find the right word for Solskjaer here. It just, I reckon the whole world just dropped on his shoulders yeah. because he was expected to come and change this team. Now, I I saw some of the, the, the interviews that they did with some of the fans that left that game from the Manchester United supporters. Um, some were happy to say, you know what, if we got a draw out of this, it would have been good because they're in a transitional period at the moment. Um, they weren't even close to a draw. No, it was, it was a team that it looked like Manchester United towards the end of Solskjaer's reign. If he if he does happen to leave the club, it just looks like the team that he's it. 
I don't know where to start with Manchester United. To be honest, I'm I'm lost for words. With the one thing that annoys me about Manchester United is this: they're trying to replicate Ferguson. Okay, look for look for a eight nine youngster or sorry five six youngsters and say okay, I'm going to bring these people up into the Premier League and we're going to get results. Never in history has that happened mm. ever. And Lampard's trying it now, and he's struggling with three or four youth players that but are in the team. it's a different... Lampard has to. That's exactly right. Lampard has to. But Solskjaer, he does have good players on the from a youth point of view. But it's... It's not working out for them. It, it's not working from a point where, okay, you're in a transitional period, okay, so you can't just go and chuck on Greenwood and Rashford and James and go, okay, you know what, let's try to get the same results that Ferguson did. Because if you look at what Ferguson did, it was, okay, we're bringing up youngsters, but I've got world-class players in my team at Around the moment. Yeah. They went and got Cantona. They had Dennis, um, not Dennis Irwin, they went and got Roy Keane. Because these are the guys that were running the team and they managed to bring these youth together. Manchester United doesn't have that at the moment. Like, you can have three absolute world-class strikers coming through your youth team, but you have a leaking defense and you don't have a playmaker. And you have uh, a player that Solskjaer hasn't figured out what he's going to do with, which is Pogba. Do I keep him defensive mid? Do I put him attack? Do I switch him left? It, It just seems like... He's constantly trying something because he saw it happen to him in Ferguson's era and it's just not working for him. I think he should go with his own element. Go, okay, you know what? This is what I need okay, to run the team. And if the team can't do that, then maybe he's not right for the job because Ole was at the wheel and now it's, it's, it's crashing because you should not be losing to West Ham. Not only that, you had... Less shots on goal than they did, and you you had what just a little bit more possession, possession. than they, they did. Yeah, I think the uncertainty you hit the nail on the head, Fats. Like, not only Pogba's playing position, but early in the season, the uncertainty of who's taking these penalty kicks. We've talked about this. Um, I think Solskjaer just needs to put down some ground rules, make things concrete, because I think people on that team need to know what they're doing. I don't think it's a rule problem. I think it's just a what 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 objective do I have here? That's it's, what I mean. It's, it's uncertainty. It's it's to win. It's to win the Premier League. Yeah. It's to, to have success at the club. That is his objective. I don't think he knows himself how to get to that objective with with plans that he has. It's always okay. What did someone in the past do? What did someone this do? Like if we look at some of the managers that have tried to touch the youth and move forward. Regarding that, yeah, I know I said touch the youth in a wrong way, especially <laughs> considering um, there's been a lot of problems in the Premier League. Look, try to bring up the youth. Like, we look at Chelsea, and Chelsea's the best example in this current scenario. The reason why Lampard is going to the youth team and going, okay, you know what, I need X, X, and X, because look what the youth team did. They went and won the FA Cup several years in a row. They went and won the UEFA um, Youth Champions League several years in a row. So he knew that there's a there's a team there, that there's a team that's coming up. Okay, you look at the stats. That's the team that is bringing in now. You have Tamori, you have Abraham, you have Mount, and there's probably a few more youngsters in that team which at the moment won't fit in because 
if you've got a player like Kante running around and you've got a youngster for his position, you're not going to take Kante off. No. So at the moment, Solskjaer is trying to bring in the youth team, but it, he doesn't have the leadership in the team. There's no one to go, okay, you know what? I'm going to put my hand up and run this team. Now, I heard a bit of a rumor that he wants to give Harry Maguire the captain's band. Why? Because I don't know. I, again, that's his decision whether he wants to do it or not. But in my opinion, if a player himself is not running the defense properly, how is he going to run the team properly? That's right. He it, doesn't even run his own position properly, in my opinion. It's, it's just the way it is at the moment. So, look, Manchester United have a massive game. Okay, I know that there is um, Carling Cup or English League Cup, I should say, coming up in the in the midweek, which is going to put even more problems on top of them because they've got Arsenal on the weekend, and the way Arsenal are playing at the moment is sort of similar to Manchester United, just in a different way. They're not playing great football, but they're getting the results. Manchester United are trying to play good football and, and not getting and, results and, and losing it. So, look, I reckon it's back to the drawing board for Solskjaer, but. I was what actually at the game is another is it's another note to point out at the game was Ed Woodward, which was in my opinion I reckon he's the biggest problem in the club. It's he was the reason why, in my opinion as well, that Mourinho got the sack because Mourinho made it very clear. Okay, he came out before the season started and said this this and this is my issue. I need defenders. And I'm not going to win anything with it. This was very public as well. He said that. They didn't replace him. They didn't get the defenders. And then one loss, two loss, three loss, two bad performances, three bad performances. And what happened? Mourinho said was on the, cho- um, on the chopping board at the end of the day. So how, how handcuffed is Solskjaer then? Solskjaer wasn't as handcuffed as I believe Mourinho was. Okay, Mourinho did spend money. Don't get me wrong. I'm not going to sit here and say he was denied funds at all. He did spend money. But... Mourinho's best best quote for me out of that Manchester United tenure was when I finished second in the Premier League and I think it was, this was in the first or second year that Manchester United finished second in the Premier League and uh, Manchester City won it. It was his greatest achievement yet. Okay? Now, a lot of people at the time didn't realise this. They said, oh, well, this is a stupid remark. But because on paper, that team looked Amazing, and it was Mourinho who was parking the bus, sort of thing. You can't really say he was parking the bus anymore because the team itself doesn't want to play anymore. You had Alexis Sanchez on. Look what happened to him. Pogba, who's being, who's getting caught out now because he's got no room to have. He used to put bad. Well, I'm not gonna say. I'm not gonna put words in his mouth or say that he he did intentional bad performances, but he wasn't performing to his hundred percent pedigree because. As soon as he, as soon as he was under the spotlight that he wasn't performing, it was Mourinho's fault. Alexis Sanchez not performing, Mourinho's fault. Now Mourinho's gone, so Pogba doesn't perform. It's Pogba's fault. The the, the fans aren't going to turn on Solskjaer that easily because he's one of their own. And I think that that that's the biggest problem is if you have someone like Ed Woodward who's pretty much in charge of everything that from from higher above to the manager, to assist the manager to do what's needed and you're not assisting the manager, he's not right for that position. Because Mourinho, I reckon give if you gave Mourinho a bit more time, a bit more um, a bit more money, because at the end of the day, Manchester United need money to, to fix this team. And it just doesn't seem like they're willing to spend it 
especially with a manager like Solskjaer. Uh, Harry Maguire was a one-off, and that's because they really needed a defender. But look, enough about Manchester United. It's just that it's back to the drawing board for Solskjaer. Now, Fats, you sort of uh, touched up on this, but Arsenal team not playing the greatest football either, but scraping through, picking up the three points this week. Uh, 3-2 against Villa, even with a red card. Yeah, look, um, you know Emery's, I reckon, a bit of a pickle of a situation here because they're not playing great football and they managed to get the three points. I think that sort of put the fans off his back a little bit because they managed to get the three points out of this game. But a lot of fans are criticising that the style of play that Unai Emery wants is not working at Arsenal. Okay, Now, Arsenal, especially in big games against, say, Tottenham or even any home game at the Emirates, if you had Arsenal winger in charge, they were playing hard, attacking football. They were moving forward with with, with precision to put away teams like Arsenal. Uh, sorry, like um, Aston Villa. Um, now, Aston Villa isn't necessarily a pushover team considering that the money that they've spent and they... they they did try to cap, cap, uh, capitalize on the on the red card that Arsenal had, and that was midway through the first half. Um, Arsenal bouncing back very um, very well. Um, Aubameyang, I reckon, at the moment is is the man with the S on his chest, running it for Unai Emery. Um, I think the problem with Arsenal is, and again, uh, as a Chelsea supporter, I'm not tr- I'm trying not to be biased. Is they have one style of play, that's it, over and done. As in, red card, we're still going to stick to this. If it's if we're behind, we're still going to stick to this play. If we're ahead, we're still going to stick to this play. Well, if you look at some other teams like Liverpool, Man City, even Chelsea, we those, those big teams need to adjust to the situation that they're in. Unai Emery, I don't think, has that. Now, I think another team in that scenario is Guardiola. Guardiola's style is attack attack and possession but when the team falls behind on the on the scoreboard he still uses that same mentality and relies on that to get him out of it and sometimes that doesn't work in his favor we saw that many times against Liverpool uh, I believe it was in the Champions League when Liverpool went up 2-3-0 and Man City just didn't adapt they're just con- con- uh, playing the same type of football, hoping to get out of that. And I think that's the problem with Arsenal is they've got all these players and it's just like, okay, we're behind. <laughs> what do we do? Let's stick to the game plan. Well, it's more like, okay, we, we need to figure out how to get around this team. Look, a big three points for them. Um, I touched base that they're versing Manchester United in the cu- upcoming week. If I had to pick between Arsenal and Manchester United, I would pick Arsenal any day of the week only because of the way that they're playing. But... Uh, there's a lot to do for you and I, Emery, at Arsenal. A lot of the a lot of the fans on Arsenal fan TV aren't, aren't very happy with him. So, look, we're gonna have to wait and see if he can really fix and make this team gel like like what we see on paper. Fats the the game of the round, Chelsea v Liverpool. Uh, congratulations to us. <laughs> and <laughs> not so congratulations to you, but you know I think there's positives in that game for both teams. Oh look, I don't. I watched, obviously I watched this game, but to be honest, I don't want to sound too biased in this game. But Chelsea were the better team. It's it, there's no ifs, there's no buts about this. Um, I think if you if you look at even just the first half, okay, 
the goals that Liverpool scored weren't the type of goals that we usually concede against yeah. a team like Liverpool. Yeah, um, both from free kicks. Yeah, both from free kicks. And Firmino scoring, scoring a header from the six-yard box. I mean, it, it sort of feels like Chelsea just sort of picked their problems as as the game comes because I've always said they have second-half-itis. Now it seems like they had a first-half-itis, especially from a set-piece point of view. Yeah. Now, in the first half, they were there, they were performing good football, but they weren't really giving Liverpool the opportunities that that they accustomed to. Yeah. Usually Liverpool smashing down the line. Tomori had Salah in his pocket. Yeah, Salah. Yeah, Salah didn't move much at all. I think if Liverpool lost that game, a lot would have been put onto Salah. Yeah, because he literally disappeared that game, and, and that was just outstanding defense by Tomori. Um, Lampard really needs to work on the, the the small outlinings of this team, the set pieces, the offsides. The offsides is a big problem for Chelsea at the moment. It yeah, just, the the disallowed goal. Yeah, the disallowed goal. Not only that, they they had seven offsides the entire game. And we saw it in the Super Cup. What happened? They scored two offside goals, and it just it just seems like players like Mason Mount, Tammy Abraham, they just haven't been able to 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 figure out their running, their movement, especially coming from an offside. Because the one that Mason Mount was actually offside on, he's back. He's he's facing the ball. Yeah, he has no idea where the defense is. Yeah, and it's it's those little things that will come with experience. At the end of the day, there was a chance as well where Alexander Arnold actually put one on onside. I can't remember who it was, but um, that could have easily been another offside there as well. It could it, it could have been. It's all ifs and could have for Chelsea. Look, Tammy Abraham had a clear one on one. With um with um Adrian and he kicked it straight at Adrian. And he kicked, well, to be honest, I don't think he kicked it straight at him. I think Adrian well, that was just good goalkeeping. Yeah, it was. He closed down the angle, but um, it pretty much landed on in Adrian's lap. Um, whether Tammy Abraham would look back at that and say, "I could have done better," I don't know. Um, it was a tight angle, but I think a better shot was on. Oh, a better shot was on. I think he shot it too late. In my opinion, he got too close to the goal. Um, I think uh, if he had say. Drogba, Diego Costa, Hazard even, he would they would have done something completely different in my opinion outside foot top left mm-hmm. or yeah just something along those lines because uh, it just seemed like Tabby Abraham was trying to go low when Adrian just just expected it. Yeah. Um but it was those types of little things that that made Chelsea the Chelsea fans I should say they made the Chelsea fans just look at this game and go you know what we did lose but this is a this is a year or this is a season of transition. This is a season where we need to learn what's best for our team. And I, you perform like that against any of the any of the non big seven teams, and you're winning the game. Yeah, easy. I'm gonna disagree with you, Fats. With Chelsea playing better, I think you know early on. I think it was only the third or the fourth minute. Aspilicueta. Um He cleared a ball that was going straight to Mane. And if Mane got a touch on that ball, I think it was a 100% goal. And with the two that they finished off, it was 3-0. Early on second half, Liverpool got two chances as well. They could have been turned over. I mean, it could have gone either way. I do understand where you're coming from. A couple of those goals in for Chelsea could have gone the other way. But I think Liverpool did enough to win this game. And it, it could have been a bigger gap as well. Uh, look, I would have to disagree only on the basis of I look at the shots that, that Chelsea had. The the only thing that went in Liverpool's favour was the shots on goal because 13 shots to six and these weren't shots that 
were long distance, hope for the best type of shots. Tammy Abrahams counts in there. Mason Mount almost securing it, almost getting the, the equaliser in the 88th, in the 88th minute. You had Kante constantly missing. You had a lot of a lot of chances for Chelsea that they didn't take. Um, I've heard from a lot of Liverpool supporters they were they were begging for that whistle to go on the oh, second de- half. Definitely, definitely. But um, that's only because the game turned out the way that it did. Early on in that second half, if we you know one of those went in, I think it was game over for Chelsea. I mean, even the commentator was saying that would have finished Chelsea. And off. I think, and I think that's why I was more happy with the performance is because Liverpool had to work really hard to get those opportunities. Yeah. While last year, or even in the Super Cup, it was it was presented on a platter yeah. to Liverpool to to be able to make those runs by Mane, to make yeah. those runs by Salah. In this game, it just felt like okay, we've we've trapped Salah. Salah's not going anywhere. Even Mane. For if we, if I look at the two goals that Liverpool did, one was a set piece, yep. and the other one was a masterclass of a free kick. It was an amazing, amazing goal. free kick. I'm not, I'm never gonna deny that. So shout out to Ohms because his favorite player scored that goal. <laughs> um, but the goals that they scored is something that Chelsea can work on. But it seems like what Liverpool do best, they didn't. Yeah, and it was a Chelsea. In my opinion, it was. I'm not gonna say the defense is perfect, no chance at all, but. They managed to stop Liverpool playing that game. Yeah, I think just rewind from the Alexander Arnold goal. I think the only clear easy run was made by Fabinho in straight in the middle of two players. Yeah, and that's exactly. what drew the f- a free kick for um, Alexander Arnold to get the goal. But um, some of the stuff that Ohms has been highlighting to us about players getting through too easy behind the centre backs was really highlighted in this game. I think Fats Chelsea got behind um, Liverpool a few times. Oh yeah, they did it. Um, the, the offside goal was the best example. Um, look, it's gonna happen. That that's the, the the problem is what what type of defense do you want to play? Mm-hmm. Do you want to play high line or do you want to play deep? If you play deep, you're going to be attracting so many shots. That's right. Okay, you play high line. If your defense is in order, you're going to be getting offsides. I don't think playing a deep. Defense is an option for Liverpool when you've got the likes of Alexander Arnold and and Robertson on the other side, who are you know almost your playmakers on this team. Correct, they're making the runs. You're expecting a player like this to run from deep from his in half to go all the way to the opponent's 18 yard box and then run back. Even on FIFA 20, their stamina would be dead. So, <laughs> look, I I I think that the defense. Yeah, you're going to be fine. You, you just got to find that balance, okay? You can replace these plays. You're still going to end up in the same situation. You're still playing high line or you're going to play deep. So I don't think it. Um, I don't think the the Chelsea defense, not Chelsea, the Liverpool defense is at fault for their performance regarding from a, a playing through the, sorry, Chelsea playing through their back line and moving through the back line a lot easier. I think that's just good tactics by Chelsea. Mm. And a lot of teams are going to do that because Liverpool do it day in and day out. Yeah. The, the simple passes by Firmino to Sane and Muller, it's, it's straight through the back. Yeah. You can never solve that issue. Mm-hmm. It's just if the other team is outperforming you with their tactics, it's as simple as that. Um Oh look, we we can sit here and discuss this game all we want, but I oh, I know it's a loss, and I'm not going to be one of those supporters that says, okay, we performed great, and I'll accept this loss. No, at the end of the day, it's a loss is a loss. I would rather have three points and a shit performance mm-hmm. because it's, at the end of the day, it's the three points that matter. Then but, be an Arsenal supporter, fat. Nah, no chance. <laughs> I like I like winning trophies, um, but look, it's a it's it's on the up and up. As soon as um, 
as soon as it looks like Kante really found his element in the second half. That goal was beautiful. Oh, goal was beautiful, and you can see that as soon as he found his way in the midfield, that ball was going nowhere. That's that's why that it was a constant barrage of just Chelsea shots mm-hmm. because it was all right. Our defense is sort of sorted here. Salah's not going anywhere. Let's get our midfield sorted, and we'll just keep hammering the goal. I think if we had maybe another a better striker or a better left winger than Mason Mount at the moment, we, we would have at least walked away with one point. You think Zuma solidified um, Chelsea's defence? No. No? No. Because Zuma came on because Christensen went off injured. That's right. And, yeah, Zuma – I, I prefer Zuma over Christensen, but I don't – I, I – I think Chelsea need, as soon as this transfer market ban or whatever you want to call it is over, they need to find a leader. And that leader was always a defender. Mm-hmm. Okay, You can look throughout the history of the Chelsea team. It's always been a, it's always been a leader. You had Aspilicueta, who's the current captain. Even when he's off, you had David Luiz, no, who was running that show. At its best, he was running that show. You take David Luiz out, who was he reporting to? John Terry. You take John Terry off, you had Ashley Cole there. that whole team was working off the defenders and it just seems like because the defenders are off the whole team element in the defensive midfield area is sort of dying down so I reckon once Lampard sorts that out it would give Kante more room to do what he needs to do it would give let it give Jorginho more time because Jorginho is trying to get the ball and pass it straight away mm-hmm. and get rid of it straight away because he doesn't have that he doesn't have that time and he knows if he loses it we're ending up in a potential goal here so look at the end of the day congratulations to you, your team man um, Liverpool um, 100% record for them 6 wins out of 6 so it's, it's an excellent start for Liverpool 5 points clear yeah um, that pretty much wraps up our Talk of the big clubs, Fats. Do you want to just tell us about the results in the remainder of the EPL games? Yeah, Bournemouth walking away with three points. Um, they they suffered a barrage of shots against um, Southampton in the second half, but three points, a big three points for them. Um, Burnley beating Norwich 2-0. Um, Everton losing at home to Sheffield United. I don't think many people expected that one. Uh, Newcastle, Brighton ending up in a draw. Crystal Palace and Wolves ending up in a draw. Wolves also down um, to 10 men because of a red card. And that pretty much sums up the Premier League match day six. Yeah, and the table. Liverpool, as we said, uh, undefeated up the top six from six. Man City on 13 points in second place. Leicester in third on 11 on the same points as Arsenal in fourth place. And fifth place, we've got West Ham Fats looking at the bottom of the table. We've still got Watford and Wolves who haven't got a win yet. And Aston Villa um, on the same points as Wolves, actually, even though that they do have a win. I think that um, that goal difference is going to hurt Watford, I reckon, towards the end of the season. That 8-0 is not going to help them in any shape or form. The closest team to them at the moment is Norwich, which is minus 5, and they're on minus 14. Yeah, that's so a massive... Man City not doing them any favours at the moment. Uh, uh, we, we've already talked about the issues at Watford. Um, seems to be bigger than what we might have initially thought, Fats. We're going to see how, how they bounce back from that. Um, I reckon if they can get a win, that 8-0 will be forgotten pretty quickly. Yeah. Um, 
that's a wrap for the show. I that's think, a wrap for us. I want to go home and just start my ultimate team here, <laughs> see if I can get some players for cheap. Um, thank you very much, guys, for um, tuning in to episode 12 of Offside Talk. Um, it's always a pleasure talking football with you, Fats. Um, always and, a pleasure, Nims. And until next time, guys, stay offside. Thank you very much for listening.